right, good morning, everyone. You may go ahead and take your seat. Come on in for those that are not in the main sanctuary. And if you are in junior high, they are meeting next door. Just kidding. There's no junior high today. Come in here. If you are in junior high, please come inside the sanctuary and sit with your family. All right. My name is Amy. I'm fully updated now. Uh, I work here at Sierra Bible, and I'm here to welcome you, say hello and good morning. I want to make sure, if you are new this morning, that there are information cards in the seat pocket in front of you, unless you're in the front row, then they're behind you. Uh, we have a gift for you as well, and uh, if you'd like that gift, it's a scripture journal of the book of Mark, which we are going through for the rest of the year, by the way. So... If you are someone that likes to take notes, then that is something for you. Um, you can pick that up on your way out as well. I want to let you know of a couple things this morning. One of them is that a lady named Hannah uh, was up here a couple weekends ago letting you know that she wanted to go to Basque Country, and she was selling succulents and just letting you know about the trip. I want to make sure that you know that she is now fully funded, um, and she will be headed to Basque Country. Yeah, it was awesome, real quick. Um, and so she will be back up here in, in a few weeks when it's a little bit closer and let you know more details about what she'll be doing um, and so forth. So really excited about that and for her. Um, I also wanna make sure you know that if you have a graduate, um, high school graduate coming up or a junior high graduate, that we actually wanna know who you are and we wanna make sure we give you a gift and acknowledge the task and accomplishment of graduating. And so we do have an idea of who our graduates are this year, but uh, if you are a graduate or if you know a graduate, there is a list or a, a sign-up sheet actually on the info booth. If you could write their name in, even if you think we already know, we just don't want to miss anyone. All right, and speaking of graduations, um, I have a special guest here this morning, name of Jose from Teen Challenge. He's going to come up this morning and let you know about Teen Challenge and their graduation coming up as well. Okay, can everybody hear me? Okay, good morning. Yeah, so uh, as she was saying, my name is Jose Marin. I am the director at Sierra Pacific Teen Challenge. And uh, I didn't get to do this last service, but I'll do it this service. I'll, 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 I'll share a miracle with you guys real quick of what Teen Challenge, this organization, uh, does. So, um, and I can only speak for me. So uh, I was 29 years old, and I'm sitting in this jail cell eight by 10, you know, the size of your bathroom. And I'm literally, it's just me, my bed, and my Bible. And I started reading the Bible. Uh, one of my sisters uh, gave me a Bible and I started reading and it was like, it was like a good novel, you know. Uh, I didn't know nothing about the Bible, but I knew something was different. I was 29 years old. I was tired of being sick and tired. I don't know if everybody, anybody's felt that way, but there was something that needed to change in my life. I just didn't know what. I was very involved with gangs, drugs, you name it. And so my environment couldn't, I wanted to change. I just didn't know how to change. And I was so scared because it's 29 years, you know, 29 years. And this is all I knew. So here I am sitting in this uh, jail cell. And my sister was visiting me every Sunday faithfully. She was a born again Christian. And she would visit me Sundays and then go to church after. And she said, have you prayed yet? Have you asked God for help? And I said, no. Uh, she, you know, she was always, I, I thought she was crazy. Um, so she says, you want me to get you a lawyer? 
she asked me, do you want me to get you an attorney? I said, no, you know what, just save the money, send it to me when I get to prison. So I'm sitting here in this, in this cell facing four years in prison and a strike. And uh, I told the attorney, I'll take the four years. You know, I'm guilty, guilty as charged, but I don't want to strike on my record. So anyway, so I'm sitting here fighting this case. And I remember what my sister told me that night. She said, have you asked God for help? And I never did this. So, and I'm not making this stuff up. I've told this story many, many times. It hasn't changed. I don't get paid to say this. I don't, I don't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up, right? So I'm sitting in my jail cell, and I had just start, got done reading my Bible, and I, I had it on my chest, and I said, okay, God, it's just me. If you're for reals, show me that you're real. Get me out of here. You know I'm guilty. Give me out of here, and I'll give you my life. That's what I said, just like that. Um, expecting nothing, though, right? Just said it. To, like, say, yeah, right, here we go. The very next morning, no joke, the very next morning, my attorney pulls me out and says, I got good news and I got bad news. She said, uh, he said, and this is a public, de a public defender. I was ready to sign a four-year deal. Remember that. He said, the good news is your charges have been dropped. Yes. The bad news is they're going to get you with what they can, which was, you know, paraphernalia on my, on my pockets, two years in prison, served in jail. I was already there for a year. I was released, like, the next day. It was crazy. So I go, to my, I go to my cell, and I'm scared. I'm, like, kind of shaking, and I hit my knees. And I said, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I said, I get it. Because, I mean, this was, this was so real. This is one of the most realest things I've ever I, – I prayed this prayer at 11 o'clock at night, 7.30 in the morning. I'm going home. It was so real. So then I get out, and my sister is there smiling, like always, and she has her laptop. And um, – and she says, hey, I've been looking into this program for you. And on the YouTube video, there was guys praising the Lord, and there was guys praying for each other. And I said, look, I know there's a God, but I'm not going to go do all that. No, 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 no. I'm not going to. It was scary for me still, right? So here I am, fresh out of jail, still in the mentality, and she was asking me if I wanted to go to this program. So anyway, so I said no. She respectfully closed the, uh, the, 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 the laptop. She didn't force me. She didn't. She didn't, like, uh, give me a hard time. She loved me, and she respected my decision. So the very next day, I already had the butterflies in my stomach. I wanted to get high. Like, that was the cycle. That was the cycle that I was telling you guys about. I would get out of jail, get high, and then it just continued for 29 years of my life. That was my life. Every, every year I went to jail, at least twice a year, birthdays, Christmases, you name it. Um, so I remember what I said that night, though. I said, I will give you my life. And I was, like, scared this time. This, there was something different. So I talked to my sister. I said, hey, listen, uh, this is what happened in that jail cell. And she started crying. She goes, I told you, you're loved. He loves you. And I got it now. I, I was starting to get it. So I said, let's do it, right? Let's do it. Let's go to Teen Challenge. So I, I, I called Teen Challenge. I was on my way to Teen Challenge within two days of getting out of jail. And I remember driving from Modesto, California, over the uh, Pacheco Pass, I think it's called, Pacheco Pass. Uh, and I was just scared in that vehicle. I was scared, and I was looking out the window because I never left that town. That was my environment. And I was just praying, like, God, what if, what, if, what if I can't change? What if this is the way that I'm meant to be for the rest of my life? Like, what if I'm just this dirtbag, right? And so I remember getting the Teen Challenge, and the first person that greeted me was, like, this six-foot black gentlemen and and if you don't know anything about gangs right i'll tell you a little bit gangs teach you to hate other races gangs hate 
teach you that if you don't have the same tattoos, you're an enemy, right? So here I am, raised racist my whole life, and there's this gentleman, and he gives me this big old hug, and he, and, he, and he says, welcome. And that man changed my life. He helped. God put him in my life to, to show me some things, right, that it's not about the skin color. It's not about the tattoos. So uh, I get the Teen Challenge, and it was one of the hardest programs I've ever went through. It was literally... Again, the gang lifestyle, they segregate you. You're part of this gang, you go there. You're part of this race, you go there. And Teen Challenge is all a big old soup, you know? It's crazy. And it was, it, it was, it was what I needed, though. Um, it, it, they taught, uh, the difference between us and a rehab is uh, rehab will tell you, I mean, I'm not trying to knock a rehab, but rehabs will tell you that you got an illness, you got a sickness. Here, take a little bit of this. That's not working. Let's change it up. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. What Teen Challenge taught me is that you're a child of God. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And when you start living that, like literally, follow Jesus and make disciples, right? So I've been with Teen Challenge for nine years already. Nine years. Thank you. Thank you. Never in a million years would I have thought that I'd be a director at a, a, a Christian discipleship program. And again, I was just talking to Pastor Brad. He, the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't get what we do and why we do it. And so that's why we would love for you guys. This is an open invitation for, to join us. So, again, and I shared this last time. I never completed anything but a jail sentence. Like, literally, everything in my life I gave up on. I gave up on my own kids, my, 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 my relationships, you name it. Teen Challenge was like a, 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 a life-turning event for me. So we get to share with these guys. We haven't had a graduation in three years because of COVID and all that good stuff. So... Uh, we, 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 men complete the program. You stay clean and sober for six months. Uh, a year after, you're still living the, the Christian life, clean and sober. We, uh, we have these certificates, completion certificates. And it's, yeah, it's just a piece of paper, but when you complete Teen Challenge, you, you, you form a community. One of, the, one of the reasons why we're still involved with Sierra, uh, Sierra Bible is we've been coming here since, ever since I've been in Teen Challenge, and nothing's changed here. Like, the teachings are the same. Uh, I mean, there's, I was just talking to somebody else. We've been having to back away from some churches, but here, this is one of our homes. Uh, we have a completed student that uh, has made Tahoe his community, and um, this is where he worships. So, again, uh, we, we're, we're so grateful that you guys opened your doors up, uh, and we want to invite you guys to share this evening, afternoon and evening. We're going to have dinner, testimonies, and you guys will be able to see these guys uh, get their certificates in front of their families. It's powerful. Again, um, I don't know, um, you know, if, if you guys have m more questions, uh, there's a phone number on there. Talk to us afterwards. And again, I just want to say thank you guys for all this. All right. Thank you, Jose. And uh, I know that graduations, you usually attend them when you know the person graduating. This is different. Uh, we want you to come out. Uh, you know, be here, hear the testimonies, support the men. Um, we are hosting it here at Sarah Bible Church. Uh, Pastor Jesse is the main speaker. And so we just want to invite you all to come out. You don't need to buy a ticket. You just need to show up here at 2 o'clock on June 11th. All right. So with that said, let's get going into Mark with Pastor Caleb Dero. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I'm the youth pastor, so you're going to have to endure <coughs> impersonations of zombies 
And, um, and that's even part of the title of the message, I'm a zombie. And uh, we're going to get started with Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him, and they cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them to not make him known. When he went up on the mountain, <clears throat> and he went up on the mountain, and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this church, a place to come and worship you as we sing to you, Lord, and we, we dive into your word. Lord, I pray that you give us a hearts that expect to hear from you this morning. Thank you, your word never returns void. Thank you that it's always working and producing in us the image of Christ, Lord, that you're always conforming us into, into his image, Lord. Thank you so much that um, from nothing you make something, Lord. Lord, thank you that you just want to be with us. You don't require a performance from us to be with you. You just ask that we come to you. I pray you bless this morning. Lord, anoint me to teach and preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I am blessed, really blessed to be the youth pastor here. I love this, um, this church and I love that job. But with that, you're going to endure um, impersonations of zombies. And, uh, but then also I want to warn you at the end of um, the teaching, we're going to spend time in corporate prayer. And in that time, we will thank God for three things. What he has done. And then we'll, we'll thank him in another kind of moment for, for who he is. And then we're going to thank him for the hard things in our lives. And those are all three different things. And we want to kind of anticipate those three different things, keep them separate. But uh, I'm going I'm to reiterate this, but I ask that you would keep those prayers. As we pray aloud corporately, that you keep those prayers to like five words. This is like very difficult to do especially when we're praying for, like, thank you, God, for cancer. Because we want to qualify that prayer. We want to explain why we're thankful, why we're saying that. Don't do that, please. Please keep it to five words. Um, it's risky letting you talk. <laughs> and if we keep it to five words, it minimizes a lot of risk for me. So please, I'm, if I was 70 years old, I'd have the clout to be like, you be quiet. I'm 31, so please don't put me in that spot because I don't feel like I got it. <laughs> um, help me help you. <laughs> Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. 
And a great crowd followed Pause for one second. Jesus is hanging around the, the Sea of Galilee, and he's doing this with his disciples. And in the very next chapter, there's the, the time when Jesus is going to teach on the, the parable of the seeds and the sowing. And, and in that story, if you look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, it says, And Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the seashore. And I've always loved that scripture ever since I was a little kid. Because it helps me understand the incarnation of Christ, that God came down into human flesh. Because I like to sit down by the seashore. And that's like, you know, C.S. Lewis defined friendship as, you like that too? I like to sit down by the beach. And it just helped, you know, there's a lot of other verses that are, are better to describe God becoming a man, but that one helps me feel it. That he has come down and he wants to be with us. And that's definitely the heart of this teaching. He wants to be with us. And so just even that visual picture of Jesus walking out of a house and just sitting down by the seashore, it's so inviting to me that I just, I, I like that too. And that's definitely the heartbeat of this message this morning is that God's wanting to spend time with you. He just wants to be with you. So Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. This crowd, in the previous chapter, we saw that the crowd was, or the, the people, they heard what Jesus was saying and they were listening. This crowd is not listening to what Jesus is saying. They want from Jesus they want him to heal. They want him to do his, his trick. They want him to see, they want to see the magic trick. They want him to, to give to them. They want something from him rather than him. And we get a, a better description um, of this crowd. Verse 9, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them to not make him known. So this crowd pressing in on him is demon possessed and full of disease. That's all I can think of when I read this. I'm like, it's like a, this is like biblical proof text that zombies are real and we're them. Um, this would be terrifying. And Jesus is not like exaggerating when he says, disciples, we need a lifeboat. <laughs> like I need a lifeboat today or they're going to crush me. I mean, I've been at concerts where like you, you get in the mix of the people and like you're so, you're in there and you're so tight that you can like pick your feet up off the ground. Like it's, it's kind of fun. You're like, this is so cool. I'm like floating. Wow. I'm in a sea of people. This is not my body sweat. Wow. Um, and that was intense. That was crazy. And Jesus is, <laughs> there's validity to his concern that he's going to get crushed here. And I was thinking, it's like, man, and he has to hold within himself, I cannot get crushed today because I have to go get crushed later on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes, we are healed. We got a couple different descriptions of 
sin in this passage. Sin is, a, is an archery term and it means to miss the mark. You were trying to do the right thing. You were trying to hit the target and you missed. Transgressions is like trespass. It's like, you know, there's a line. God drew a line in the sand. He said, don't cross it. And we're like, <laughs> and we, we deliberately cross the line. And then iniquity, you know, so it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions are deliberate, like choosing to go against his will. And he was crushed for our iniquity. This, this iniquity speaks to our bentness, that we're just wrong at the core of who we are. There's this thing that we're bent. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we're healed. He's got to hold all that inside of himself. I'm here to, to teach these people. I'm here to heal these people. I'm here to try and, you know, he's pointing to them. Um, the, the, he's, point, he's living out the gospel in front of them. And he has this knowledge, I've got to go and get crushed tomorrow. I can't be crushed today because I've got to go to the cross. Not literally tomorrow, but in the future. And all the people want is just what he can give them, not him. And it's just this common problem throughout Scripture and in our hearts. And I, I definitely, I mean, even just in preparing for this, I was just like convicted. Lord, I'm so sorry because I, I, I slip into that so often. I just, I want you to perform for me. I want you to, I mean, okay, even like in preparing for this sermon, it's like, all right, Lord, like, are you going to speak to my heart again? <laughs> are you going to do the thing where like, you know, you touch my heart because your word's so good and you're so good and then I'll have something to teach the people. Are you going to do your thing again? Are you going to perform again? Like even in that. And it's just like, oh, gosh, Lord, I'm always judging you on your performance. I'm always looking to get something from you. It's the story of the prodigal sons. Like, you know, it, it's always just like the prodigal son. But that story, it, uh, that is a story of two sons. And they're both guilty of just wanting something from the father. The younger one is blatant about it. Dad, give me my inheritance. I know you're still alive, but I wish you were dead, basically, is what he's saying. And uh, give me my inheritance. He goes, and he, he's a zombie. He goes and takes that money, and he uses it to devour women. He goes and spends it on prostitutes. He's just consuming other people. And then he runs out and he's like, man, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house. Comes back and, and there's the father. And it's so God's heart that even when we just want something from him, his heart is like, I just want you near me. I don't care. Take it all. Take me. Take my son. I don't care. I just want you near me. And then, you know, the father in the story of the prodigal son is just, he's searching. He's looking for his lost son. And when he sees him, he runs to him, falls on his neck, gets a robe and a ring, puts it on him, kills the fatted calf, throws this huge party. And then there's the older brother who shows up that night. And he's like, hey, ask one of the servants, what's going on inside? Oh, your brother came home. And your dad's throwing a big party and he's just out there just throwing a total fit. <laughs> what the heck? And the dad comes out, son, what's going on? Why aren't, you, why aren't you coming in? He's like, that guy spent all your money on, on prostitutes. Like if there's something bad you can spend money on, that's the worst, like, right? Like, come on, he's the worst. And, and you never gave me a goat. And at that very moment, like the sent that sentence is so condemning because it reveals the older son's heart too. He just wants something from the father as well. He's going about it a different way, but he's guilty of this same sin. I just want something from the father. And, and then the dad's response, son, you always have me. And everything I have is yours. You always have me, son. 
And so this, this is a condition of our human heart. And it, you know, Jesus talks about it in that, that story. And then it's, it's really highlighted at his death. It's really highlighted when he goes to be crucified. So Mark 15, 24. And they crucified him. They can't even give that its own sentence. Right there. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them. Even the, the little things he had left while he's getting nailed to this piece of wood, it's like, the, it's like Jesus is, you know, the cross is on the ground and they nail him to this thing. And before they even raise him up, it almost seems like he's just laying there. They don't even pay any attention. Bam, 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 nail him down. Okay, like what's he got? Let's see what he's got. What can we get from this guy? It's like if, I mean, if I was Jesus, it's like, this is the worst and greatest thing that has ever happened or will ever happen in all of creation. And nobody's even watching. I mean, I'd be so mad if I was Jesus. Like, at least watch. And, and they just start immediately going into, what has he got for us? They're casting lots. They're, you know, they're rolling dice. They're, they're gambling over what they can get from him. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription that charged, the inscription, the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who press, passed by derided him, wagging their heads at and saying, ah, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself, come down from the cross. So alas, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Come on, Jesus, do your trick. Come on, do your magic trick. Play, monkey, come on, come off the cross. It's an ugly picture. And deep down in my heart, there's a, you know, that's my sin. That's my sin. And that's like just really clearly looking at what it is. It's like, I want to see you do your trick. I don't want you. I just want to see you do your trick. And we keep going in Mark and we see God's heart. Verse 13, Mark 3, 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those who he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve. That word appointed is the same kind of like creative power of God in Genesis 1, that he makes something out of nothing. Um, it wasn't like the apostles had like, hey, you're a real diamond in the rough. You're athletic and you're smart. And, uh, you know, you're it, there's no diamond in the rough. Out of nothing he makes something. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. That blows my mind. <laughs> He's not appointing them so that they can serve him. He's not appointing them so that they can get it. He's not, appointing to the, He's not appointing them so that they can perform. He's appointing them. He's raising them up. He's exalting them. He's causing them to be like him so that they can be with him. 
John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That's his goal. That's God's goal. In the garden, he had this beautiful fellowship with Adam and Eve. And there was this, you know, time in the cool of the evening that they would walk and just be with each other. And sin ruined that. And ever since then, God has hatched this plan. And it's that, that we would be with him again. And I'm so convicted by that because it's, man, Lord, I'm a lot, I think most of the time I'm way more concerned about your performance than just being with you and just hanging out with you, Lord. You know, like I said, even like in preparing for this message, are you going to speak to my heart again? Are you going to do the thing again? Are you going to do your trick? Are you going to like help me to, to do this thing? And instead of just like enjoying being with him and trusting like, man, Lord, I'll be like you if I just be with you. I'll be transformed I'll, just by hanging out with you. It's, it's such a common problem. We even see um, Moses is dealing with this thing. If you guys would turn with me to uh, Psalms 90, please. Moses, I mean, the guy who splits the Red Sea and wipes out, you know, the, then the water comes down and kills the chariots. And it, you know, Moses, like the, the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke and the manna. And I mean, Moses wrote the books of the law. He's like a titan. He's, he's like roided out Christian. I mean, he's not even real, right? He's so big, such a big character. He struggled with this too. So Psalms 90, and it's talking about how God is eternal, and it's talking about how fleeting we are. We're like, we're like a sigh. Our lives are nothing in comparison to him. And it's just like, we're just wicked. Like, Lord, I just always want you to perform for me. I'm so, it's so wrong how I miss how awesome you are. So Psalms 90 verse 1. That is not Psalms 90. Psalms 90 verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Not the promised land that we're supposed to get to. Lord, you are the dwelling place. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's praising him like before creation. Before the, anything was even created, God, you're, you're the Lord. You're eternal. And before anything ever existed, it's you. It's all about you. You're the heaviest thing. Verse 3, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream. Like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. And the evening it fades and withers. You sweep them away like a flood. I mean, he's seen that. Moses has seen the sweeping away of a flood. For we, verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger. And by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. You know who we are. We're nothing and we're evil. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring, your, you, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. We're just a sigh compared to you. 
The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to, your fear, according to the fear of you? Moses is like lamenting and repenting. He's, he's distraught over just the, we're like a sigh, Lord. We're so thin. We don't even remember. We don't perceive. We don't think about how awesome and mighty and terrible and wonderful you are. We just... We're so thin. We're just trouble and toil. And then I love, verse 12 is where it gets so sweet. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So good. That's like your morning devos. It's spending time with him. It's just spending time with him. I mean, it's like that, I, I love that scene of Jesus sitting by the seashore. It's like, would you just come and, it's just, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. And that's going to change you. And it's going to like produce my characteristics in you. Just hang out with me. Would you just hang out with me? I just want to be with you. Um, 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, th- I mean, when I think of like hanging out with God all day, it's praying without ceasing. That does not mean you have to talk all the time. It's not recommended. It's better to listen when you pray than to talk. Um, It's just being aware throughout your whole day that God is with you. That's hard to do. It's so easy to forget that he's there. It's so easy to forget that he just wants to be with you all day. You don't even have to say anything. This is a night, like when you actually have a friend that you can just sit with and you don't even have to talk, that's such a nice thing that you just literally just enjoy them being near you. Some of the best things I've ever gotten for sermon prep were, you know, I was working in a welding shop and I was cutting steel on a bandsaw and I was just hanging out with the Lord. (laughs) Just like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, just kind of thinking about scripture, thinking about stuff and just praying and hanging out with him. It's like some of the best stuff I've ever gotten for sermon prep came out of those moments. And I was just spending time with him while I was running a bandsaw. Nothing flashy, nothing hyper spiritual about it. That's for sure. Um, just hanging with them, praying without ceasing. And then verse 18, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I think giving thanks for all circumstances is probably the best tool we have, the best weapon we have to combat this thing in our heart of wanting God to perform for us. It's not thanking him just for all the good stuff. It says thanking him for all circumstances. So thanking him for the hard things. And when we thank God for the hard things, it challenges that that thing that wants him to perform. It really calls it on the carpet. Ephesians 5.20. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so hard to do. Lord, I'm thankful for my, my sin. I'm thankful for cancer. I'm thankful for my addiction. I'm thankful for, it's so hard to thank God for the hard things. You're like, it don't, why, why would I say thank you for this? Because it says so. I mean, at the end of the day, 
Because Scripture tells us to thank him for everything, all circumstances. But it does work in our hearts. It, it starts to, we, we stop, it attacks that thing that wants him to perform. It attacks it. It's a weapon. And so we're going to do that this morning. Um, I'm wrapping up my sermon, and you know when we kind of come into the third movement here, the worship team will come up. But we're, um, we're going to thank God for three different things. Again, please, five words. We're going to thank God for what he's done. And that, I mean, I actually encourage you to, to thank him for the little things in your life. Lord, thank you for my car. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for hot water. Thank you for clean water. Like, thank him for the little things that he's provided in your life. Um, and then save other, there, I mean, there's, we're going to thank him in the next movement for who he is. So save those things. Don't use them up yet. And then the third movement, we're going to thank him for the hard things in our life. So save those for that moment. Lord, I'm so thankful for a storage shed. take the next couple of minutes and we're going to thank him for who he is, his character. Lord, thank you, our Father.
let's take this last moment and we're going to thank him for the hard things in our life. And, and again, it's, it's really hard to not qualify this. You always want to explain. You don't have to. We're doing this by faith because God's word says so. So Lord, thank you for COVID. Second Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not dirt, driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be magnified manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Lord, um, thank you that you just want to be with us, and you're doing this incredible, we're jars of clay, and we have you, a treasure inside of us, Lord. I'm so sorry that um, I'm always just, so, I'm so ready to judge your performance, Lord. You have been faithful for all of eternity to everyone. And, and yet I'm like, today's the day. I, I, there's a part of me. Today's the day you're going you're gonna to let me down. There's a part of me that's always so quick to think that when things go wrong. What are you doing? I'm so sorry, Lord. You never judge me on my performance. And I think I'm always kind of judging you on yours. Thank you that you still accept me and you still want to be with me. What kind of friend are you? You're incredible, Lord. I can't even understand how you could be so in love with us that you want to be with us that much. We're rotten to you most of the time, Lord. But thank you. Help us to draw near to you, Lord. To be satisfied with you in the morning, Lord. Help us to use gratefulness as a weapon, Lord, against our flesh and against the enemy of this world. We love you, Father. Thank you that you call us and that you appoint us, that you qualify us, that you create in us something beautiful, Lord. You cause us to be like Jesus. Pray that you bless us, Lord, and help us to go out and do your work. Lord, for your glory and our good, in Jesus' name, amen.
family, let's stand together.